Hello? Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're reading Joshua chapter 7, if you want to read along, because I will probably fumble the entire thing. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully regarding the things des designated for destruction for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah, took some of the designated things, therefore the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out I. Then they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up. Have only about two or 3,000 men go up and attack I. Do not trouble all the people there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of I. And the men of I struck and killed about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim. And struck, them on and struck them on the mountainside, and the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the ground on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, O oh Lord God, why, do you, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan? Only, the hand, only to hand us over to the Amorites to eliminate us. If only we had been willing to live beyond the Jordan. O oh Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their backs against the enemies? For, their, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear about it, and they will surround us and eliminate our name from the earth. And what, and what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also violated my covenant, which I command them. And they have, and they have even taken some of the things designated for destruction. And they have stolen and kept it a secret. Furthermore, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become designated for destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you eliminate your midst of, the thing, your midst of things designated for destruction. Stand up, consecrate the people, and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, because the Lord, of, the Lord, the God of Israel, has said this. There are things designated for destruction in your midst, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you have removed designated things from your midst. So in the morning, you shall come forward by your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord selects by, the sh by a lot shall come forward by families, and the family which the Lord selects shall come forward by households, and the households which, Lord selects, which the Lord selects shall come forward by... <laughs> the Lord selects shall come forward man by man, and it shall, and it shall be that one, the one who is selected by the things designated for destruction shall be burned with fire, and he and all belongs to him because he has violated the covenant of the Lord and because he has committed disgraceful things in Israel. 
So Joshua got up early in the morning and brought Israel forward by tribes, and the tribes of Judah was selected. So he brought the family of Judah forward, and he selected the family of the Zerahites. Then he brought the family of the Zerahites forward man by man, and Zabdi was selected. And he brought his household forward. He, he, brought his house, he brought his household forward man by man, and Akan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was selected. Then Joshua said to Akan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So Akan answered Joshua and said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful robe from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold 50 shekels in weight, then I wanted them and took them. And behold, they are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath it. So they took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel. And, and, they, aid, and they laid them out <laughs> before the Lord. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan to this took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him, and they brought them to the valley of Anchor, of Akur. <laughs> so Joshua said, why have you brought disaster on us? The Lord will bring disaster on you this day. And all of Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with the stones. Then they, then they erected him over the large heap of stones that stands to this day, and the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Accor to this day. Don't you love our young people? I really felt like at the beginning of the year that we needed to attempt to include our young people in our sanctuary and to have them to participate in ways so that they will become more and more comfortable with being in this setting. And uh, we started last week and uh, kind of uh, began including them. And then today we have some more over the next uh, few weeks that are going to be participating. I love them all, don't you? I just think it's wonderful they're wanting to participate and agreeing to participate. Uh, Melissa did a great job. I'll tell you, when you get into some of these Old Testament scriptures... There are some names and some territories that will absolutely tear you up when it comes to pronunciation. Somebody asked, you know, a few years ago, they said, how do you know you're pronouncing it right? And say, you just pronounce it fast and keep on moving. 
everybody will think you know what you're talking about. So that's perfectly good. Jordan's been dancing ever since she was just a little girl, and boy, she is really improving, don't you think? Did a beautiful job today. In fact, yeah, <clears throat> while I was watching her, I pulled three muscles just watching her dance. That's, uh, that's how good it was. Well, if you have your Bibles or you have your notes, uh, we had the QR code on the screen so that you could go to rbaker.blog and you can uh, have the sermon summary there. It won't be word for word what I'm saying today, but it will give you an opportunity to kind of in your mind remember what we talked about today and to have the summary of these notes. So we're going to be talking today from Joshua chapter 7. And um, we're going to uh, see if we can find some practical ideas about how to deal with this passage of Scripture. So I want to invite you uh, to just point your hand this direction and pray for your pastor today that I will be able to preach effectively and under the anointing of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being with your people today, for the opportunity that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. I'm thankful for everyone who is able to be here today. I know that we've got cold weather and uh, it's, it's not ideal to be out and traveling around, but I'm thankful for every individual that is here today and for those who may be watching um, by live stream today on television. Pray that you will bless them as well. And so, Lord, as we turn to your scripture now, I pray that you will help me to be able to speak effectively and that we will be able to take the principles from this passage of Scripture and apply it to our lives so that we can be more like you every day that we live. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been, uh, since the beginning of the year, we've been preaching some messages out of the book of Joshua. It's one of my favorite uh, books in the Old Testament. I just love it so much. There's so many positive things that we can draw from the, the journey that Joshua and Israel is on. And to this point, my, we've been having a great time, haven't we? Reading about the many conquests and how that Joshua has conquered with courage. And he and, and the Israelites have moved through every situation with absolute victory in mind. And and so what a great thing it is to watch that. And I, you know, there have been seasons and times in our own lives uh, when everything was going well. We just seemed to be getting victory after victory after victory. And, and we, we just couldn't help but just praise the Lord every day for the good things going on in our lives. And then all of a sudden, chapter 7 sneaks into our lives. It's kind of an un, uh, on-hold moment when we realize that if we're not careful, that bad things can creep in that cause us to be put on hold, our blessings and our victories, and it, it, it requires that we analyze what in the world is going on. And that's exactly what is happening here in Joshua chapter 7. So today... I'm going to deal with this idea of secret sin, sin that creeps into our lives that if we don't deal with it, we'll create an atmosphere where God cannot work and do what he has promised to do. 
So today there are a few things that I want to point out to you. I, I think one of the great compliments that I've received in this series was someone who came and told me, said, you know, Pastor, I've, I've read these passages of Scripture so many times, and to be honest, it's been kind of hard for me to, to understand and, and to be able to relate to it. Uh, but the practicality in which it's been brought to us over the last few weeks has really helped me to understand and to apply these principles to our lives. And so I'm grateful for that, and I, I give God the glory because even when we're reading about history and we're reading about things that happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we can take a hold of these principles and put them to work in our lives so that we can be successful, so that we can be victorious. So let's talk about this idea of sin. Now, we all understand that we begin life in a state of sinfulness. We are all born into this world in sin. And at some point in our lives, we have to determine what we're going to do with that sin. Whether we're going to allow it to reign and rule our lives, or whether or not we're going to make sure that we take advantage of what has been given us through Jesus Christ so that our sin can be forgiven and removed from our lives. So as we move into this passage of Scripture, let me just give you the synopsis very quickly. Now you know last week we ended at Jericho. Jericho's walls came tumbling down as the people of God shouted. I mentioned to you that there are always three times to shout. There's the time to shout before the walls come down. We shout while the walls are coming down, and when the walls have already come down, we shout some more in order to give God the glory that is rightfully His. And they came through this glorious moment of victory where God came through in a miraculous way, and now they're getting ready to continue the journey, and they're going to continue defeating those people who were standing in the way of their ultimate victory that God had promised. And the next place that they were to fight was a little small community known as Ai. And as they are getting ready to go up there, uh, some things begin to materialize. And in the midst of this setting and in this context, it, it became evident that something was not right. Something was wrong. And we're going to talk about that. And the, and the reality is that there was, the old timers used to say it like this, there was sin in the camp. How many of you know that there have been times that there have been sin in our lives or in the lives that people that were connected to that had a negative impact upon their lives and upon our lives. And so that's what we want to talk about today. This is where we are. They could not continue uh, obtaining the promises of God until they dealt with the sin that had secretly found its way into their nation. So there are four things I want to point out to you about the impact of personal sin and then the restoration of our success. And the first thing is this. The reality is that sin often comes at surprising times. 
Sometimes sin sneaks in when we are not expecting it to show up. But that's exactly what happened here. Joshua had no idea that there was sin in the camp. He was unaware of it. He was just planning on moving on to the next victory, moving on to the next move of God, moving on to the next great blessing that God would bring to his life. But for whatever reasons, that victory would not come. In fact, victory was replaced by defeat. And Joshua did not understand what was going on. He would find out later it was because of sin in the camp but he was puzzled as to why this was happening in this moment. They had just come from a great victory, and now all of a sudden everything has been put on hold because of sin. Now, isn't that just like life that we live? I mean, there have been seasons in our lives when everything was good, Blessings were abounding all around. We'd look to the left and to the right, and we were blessed everywhere. And then for whatever reasons, the blessings just disappeared. And it's because there was sin in the camp. It's because there were things in our lives that we were not anticipating, that we were not expecting, but it impacted our lives in a moment that we had just come out of a great season of victory. I stayed up last night after Donna went to bed and I watched one of the football games. The Packers were, were playing against the 49ers. And to be honest with you, the 49ers looked pretty bad last night. And uh, they, they are lucky that they won at the last minute. Um, because Green Bay was putting it on them. In fact, the whole game, it looked like that Green Bay was putting it on them. But I remember at one particular point in the game, the 49ers had taken the football and driven down the field, and they scored a touchdown, and the announcer started talking about, okay, well, they're back. You know, they have found their rhythm. They have scored the go-ahead touchdown. Everything now is in the control of the 49ers. And you know how it is in football. After you've scored a touchdown, then you have to kick the ball to the other team. And when they kick the ball to the other team, the receiver caught it, and he ran it all the way down to the other end of the field and almost got a touchdown. He was tackled at the last moment, but I remember everybody who had been bragging about the 49ers and how that they were finally in control and finally taking control of the game and about to win this game. Now all of a sudden they gave up this huge run back to the Packers and the Packers then were on the verge of scoring, which they ultimately did. And I was thinking because I'd, you know, I had my notes handy and I'm kind of browsing through them and looking at them and I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly exactly how our life can be at times. I mean, God blesses us abundantly. Everything's going well in the home and in the family. All is well at church. All is well at work. All is well in our world. And then all of a sudden, in that moment of great blessing and victory, Satan sneaks in and he tempts us and he causes us to fall short of the glory of God in a moment of victory. 
I don't know how many times through the years, I've watched people go through that particular process. They come to church and they get excited and they get started and they're going to they're gonna serve the Lord and they're going to do this and do that and man, I'm ready. And then all of a sudden, the very, they're not even there the next week. And when I check on them, how you doing? What's up? Oh, well, pastor, since the last time you saw me, I got caught up in this and caught up in that and caught up in this and and I'm so ashamed of myself that I can't even bring myself to come back to the house of God because of the, the faults and the failures of my life. Let me tell you something. That's exactly what the enemy of your soul intended for you to do, is to stay away from the Spirit of God. Stay away from the Word of God. Stay away from the people of God. Stay away from the environment that will upbuild you and encourage you and edify you. There's nothing the devil wants any more than for you to succumb to temptation even after you've had a great victory. So let me just by way of warning let you know that when God has blessed you abundantly and when you have just had victory after victory after victory, you better beware because the enemy of your soul will come roaring at you like a lion. But listen, always remember, that in those moments, God is on your side. He is not tempting you to sin. He will give you what you need to overcome. With every temptation, the Bible says, there is a way of escape. So rather than looking for the temptation and the fulfillment of it, look for the way of escape. So the first thing is, sin often comes at a surprising time. Secondly, we need to understand that personal sin impacts corporate success. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that word corporate. When we think about corporate, you know, we're thinking about UPS or Ford or Humana or Walmart or some other big organization, some other uh, big business that we could think of. But when I use the word corporate this morning, I'm, I'm talking about anything more than one. So if you have someone else in your life, then I want you to know that your sin will not only affect you, but it will affect those who are around you. Because personal sin impacts corporate success. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 13 says, Go and consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things that are under the ban that are in your midst, Israel, and you cannot stand against your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. Now, here's what I want to point out to you. One man had committed the sin. But because he was part of Israel, the sin affected all of them. And so God said to Joshua, I cannot be with you. I cannot put my approval upon you. I cannot let my blessings cover you as long as there is sin in the camp. You will have to deal with it. 
And if you want to be blessed by me, and if you want what I have for you in the future, you've got to deal with the reality of what has happened right now. Now, here's what I want to say to you. There are times that we are the guilty party. There are times that we are the one who committed the sin. There are times that we are the one that created the situation that not only impacted ourselves, but it impacted those in our family, those in our household. How many times through the years have I dealt with families who uh, experienced divorce because one member in the marriage decided that they wanted to have an affair or they wanted to, they wanted to flirt with someone else or they wanted to go in debt in such a way that they didn't tell anybody else in the household. And so when the bills came, it became very evident that something has happened here that I didn't know anything about. I was unaware of this. Because sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we're the ones who did it. But sometimes it's the sin of someone else who has it affected an impact the entire household. I've seen it in churches. We've experienced right here in this situation when sin came into the body. And when sin comes into the body, God cannot bless the body. You say, well, but it looked like God was blessing. Listen, I want you to know that it doesn't matter what it looks like. What it matters is, is what the reality is. And God is not fooled. God knows what's going on behind closed doors. God knows what's happening in a mind where no one else knows what's being thought or what has been plotted, but God knows. And when God knows, He will remove His blessing. I've seen many, many churches that look like they were doing great, look like they were reaching the masses, look like that they had been successful almost beyond belief. But because there was sin in the camp, God removed his blessing. And God would not allow it to continue. Now, I don't say a whole lot about these kinds of things around here. But I want you to know that I'm fully aware that whenever God decides to bless us big, that's the very time that we better make sure that we remain consecrated to Him and that we be holy before Him. Because without holiness, God will not bless His people. God will not bless your family if someone in your family is living in sin and you're unaware of it, God will create an atmosphere where that sin will have to come out. You understand what I'm saying today? So I don't know if it's you that could be committing the sin, or if it's someone else in your household, if it's someone else in the church. I remember several years ago, there was a time we were pastoring somewhere else, and I I just kept feeling like that something wasn't quite right. The singers would get up to sing, and it was just falling flat. It just wasn't, it just wasn't 
advancing worship. And I'm beginning to think, what in the world's going on? They're good singers. They're good musicians. And as I begin to dig a little deeper, I began to realize that there was at least one person that was in the music team that was having secret sin in their lives and doing things that they knew better to do than to do. And rather than being consecrated before the Lord as they worshiped, they were bringing their sin to the platform and trying to lead others in worship, and God was shutting it down. And listen, when it became aware, when, when I became aware of it, I had to deal with it. I had to take them off the stage. I had to take them off of the platform and say, let us work with you. We will, we will pray with you. We will, we will counsel you. We will try to get you back to the place where God can use you. But in the moment with the sin that is in your life, we can no longer allow that here. You say, do you do things like that, Pastor? The church has a responsibility to be holy before the Lord. Now, listen, none of us are perfect. But I'm talking about a choice to live in a sinful atmosphere with no desire whatsoever to change it because we sometimes enjoy the sin more than we enjoy the relationship with Christ. So what I'm saying to you today is because of the sin of one man, it impacted and affected the entire nation of Israel. So my question to you today is, are there any sins or attitudes or actions that are in your life that are impacting your family or impacting your place of employment? or impacting this church that you're a part of. Because if you'll do what's right, God can restore you. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But we must deal with the sin that is in our lives. I don't know if it's theological, ne- theologically necessary or not. But when I was a kid growing up, my mom and dad, they'd come into my bedroom when it was time to go to bed at night. And we'd kneel at my bed and we'd pray. And they taught me how to pray. They didn't just kneel me down and say, just say whatever comes to your mind, not at that point in my life. But they led me through different phases of prayer. And one of the things they had me do every night of my life was ask the Lord to forgive me from anything that I might have done that day and had forgotten about or was unaware. And I know some of you are saying, ah, it's too much, Pastor. I, you don't have to do that. Once saved, always saved. Listen, my mom and dad just felt like that since Jesus had done all that he did for me, that at the very least I could come before him every night and say, if I've offended you in any way, I want you to forgive me. And I try to do that every day of my life. You may not like it. You may not feel like it's necessary. But let me tell you something. I have made a decision to follow Christ, and I'm not going to allow anything to sneak into my life that might take its place on the back burner and mean forget about it and not be aware of it I'm going to take care of it right now so that I can be clear before my Savior and some of you listening to me today you may need to understand that your personal sin is impacting your entire family your entire church your entire environment 
And it's important for you to take care of that sin. Thirdly, success falters when leaders listen to the wrong people. Success falters when leaders listen to the wrong people. Of all people, Joshua should have known this because he was a part of a spy team earlier in his life. You remember that? Moses sent out 12 spies and he said, I want you to go and spy out the land and I want you to see what we're facing and what we're up against. And, and, and 12 of those spies came back and 10 of them gave a negative report. You remember that? You remember that story? But two of them said, let us go up at once and take the land because God has given it into our hands and we can overcome. It is a great promised land that God has blessed us. Let's go get it right now. Joshua was one of those who gave that positive report. But now we see him as leader. Moses is dead. And Joshua, after Jericho, just calls the guys together. And he says, I want you to go and see what we're up against. Come back and report to me so that we can come up with a strategy. He didn't pray. He didn't ask God. He just asked the guys. And the guys went, and they looked around, and they said, oh, this is going to be easy peasy. said, they're just this little town up the road by the name of Ai, and we don't even need the full army to go up there. Let's just get two or 3,000 guys and run up there and whip them real quick. We can be back by supper time tonight. This is not a big deal at all. And so that sounded good to Joshua. And so Joshua sent them up, and this few group of people went up to Ai, and the guys at Ai came out and absolutely clobbered them. Just a handful of people against this group that had had the blessings of God upon them and Ai destroyed them, and they ran back home, some of them dead and destroyed, and others with their tails tucked because Ai had destroyed them. And you know why it was? It's because Joshua had not made proper preparation. He was flying by the seat of his britches, if I can say it that way. You see, he was asking the wrong people. He might have been asking the right questions, but he was asking the wrong people. And when the wrong people gave him bad advice, he took the advice and he quickly found himself outside of the blessing of God and out of the will of God. How many of you have ever had something on your mind that you needed an answer to? And you didn't really want to pray about it. You didn't really want to seek God about it. You didn't really want to fast. You didn't want to study the Scripture. You just wanted somebody to give you an easy answer. You just wanted somebody to say to you what you wanted to hear. I don't know how many times through the years I've had people come to my office for a counseling session. And they'll tell me, I've got this situation in my life and I want you to tell me what I should do or what I should think. And the first thing that I always tell them when I'm seated in my office is I take my Bible and I slide it over close to them. 
And I said, you don't need the advice that I can give you. What you need is what this word says about your situation. So as your pastor, what I will be giving you is not based on my opinion, but it's based upon what the Word of God teaches us to do and to think and to act out and to act upon when we find ourselves in this situation. I remember it hasn't been that long ago, a few years back. Someone made an appointment, came in. They wanted to counsel with me. It's just an individual man. And he said, I'm feeling things about another woman. I'm married. I've been married for many years. But I don't love her anymore. Boy, how many times have we heard that story? I don't love her anymore. We don't get along anymore. All but this other one. She meets my needs. She makes me feel good. She talks pretty to me. She looks good to me. I'm attracted to her. Pastor, is it okay if I leave my wife and I pursue this other woman? And me being the man that I am, I took my Bible and I slid it up and across the table, and I said, this is the only thing that I have to go by. And what I can tell you is that you will be committing sin if you leave your current wife and divorce her and pursue another woman that is not yours. You will cause her to be adulterous And you will cause your wife to be adulterous if you leave her and then she finds someone else outside of the will of God and this marriage. And I'll never forget this person looking at me like I'd lost my mind. And I just simply said, tell me I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me what this book says to confirm what you're wanting to do. And I will show you what this book has to say about what you cannot do. You want to hear the sad ending of the story? The Word of God was rejected. And the flesh overcame. And the divorce ensued. And now, those who are involved in that love triangle are suffering the consequences of the sin of of one individual but it's impacting the whole family so what am I saying to you I'm saying that when I decide that I'm going to do something that is outside of the will of God then it will impact it will impact my life and theirs too And if anybody gives me a word of wisdom that is contrary to the Word of God, I have a responsibility not to listen to them and not to obey what they're suggesting I should do and instead say, this is the Word of the Lord. 
And I will follow what Scripture tells me to do. And I will avoid the difficult season that is caused by sin. So my, my question to you is, who are you listening to? Are, are you listening to people that have no understanding at all of what the Word of God teaches? Are you listening to someone that they've got a better idea that will avoid you having to go through all of the difficulty that you'll have to go through in order to be stronger? I told you a couple of weeks ago that when I turned my age, 65, and got Medicare and got my silver sneakers card, that I decided I was going to go down to the gym and I was going to start working out. And uh, I've been twice, maybe three times at this point. And the second time that I went, they gave me these little five-pound barbells or dumbbells, and they gave the dumbbells to the dumbbell. And then, and here I am, I'm, I'm doing these exercises, and I'm back and forth, and I'm, you know, I'm giving it all this. And I got to home, and about, about two or three days later, I thought I was having a heart attack. My, my chest was starting to feel tight. And I'm thinking, I can't breathe very good, and I, I don't know what's going on. And then it dawned on me, how in the world can five-pound dumbbells cause such pain in your chest? So I took a few days off of the Silver Sneakers program so that I could recuperate. It's hard work going to Silver Sneakers. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That senior stretching that, that, talk, that, that they talk about, they tell you, oh, it'll be easy. You know, it's just little stretches. But like I said, I mean, I watched Jordan dance today and pulled three muscles just watching her. And here's the point I'm trying to make. In order to get in shape, you got to do some hard things. You got to lift some weight. You got to run. You got to walk. You got to bend. You got to twist. And as unpleasant as all, I, I've never understood gym rats, people who go and just live there all the time. They need to get a life. There's something different that they could experience than just going. I'm not, I've never understood that. The pain is unbearable. But what I've discovered is that it helps you grow. It helps you to build the muscles the right way, the right place, the right time. It can be done. And then you become stronger. And it's the same way in our spiritual growth and maturity. Instead of just taking the easy way out, instead of listening to people that really don't have anything to add to our lives, we've got to do the hard work of become spiritually mature. Let me challenge some of you. If you're at the same maturity level in Christ that you were five years ago or ten years ago, something is seriously wrong with your routine. Because if you're reading the Scripture, and if you're praying, and if you're attending church, and if you're giving, and if you're being kind... And if you're doing what the Word of God tells you to do, you ought to be getting stronger and more mature every day of your life. Amen? 
So Joshua listened to the wrong people. They gave him bad advice. And because he was willing to take the easy road, they had to experience some pain and defeat because they didn't do what God would have had them to do. And then there's another thing that I want to share with you about this passage of Scripture. And it is this. And this is good news. And let me get to this. Success is restored when the sin is addressed. Success is restored when sin is addressed. Now, let's walk through this passage of Scripture. Achan has sinned. He stole. He stole the things that God had expressly banned Israel from taking. But he snuck in. He stole it. He took it to his tent. He hid it underneath the tent. And he kept it in his tent and, and didn't tell anybody at all about it. So God speaks to Joshua and he says, I can't bless you until you deal with the tent or with the sin. And so Joshua said, tomorrow, boys and girls, we're going to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. That word consecrate gives us the mind that we're going to take a bath. We're going to clean ourselves. We're going to brush our teeth. We're going to comb our hair. We're going to prepare our bodies for the day. And what he's saying is, is that we're going to consecrate ourselves before the Lord so that we can get back in rhythm with Him. So he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to gather. And he said, with the help of the Lord, we're going to drill down until we find the source of the sin. And he starts calling the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, all right, this tribe, you step up. And then the Bible tells us that they went family by family by family by family. What if we did that at church? What if we said, okay, Spirit Life, we're all here. Yeah, we're going to start with the families that begin with the letter A. All of you stand up. We're going to see if there's sin in your life. Okay, the A's are good, sit down. Now we're going to the B's. I know what would happen by the time that we got to the B's. Those of you who are W's, you'd be leaving to go to the, to the buffet before we got to you. But they started going tribe to tribe, family to family, and the Bible says that they finally came to the tribe of Judah, and they started going family by family by family until they drilled down to Achan, and Joshua said, Son, what in the world have you done? You need to give praise to God by confessing to the sin that you committed. And you know what he did? He stood up and he said, I did it. I stole it. I kept it in my tent. I hid it. I didn't tell anybody. And so he was outed by the Spirit of God. Now in case you think, well that was historical, that was a long time ago. Let me tell you that God knows everything about you. And He is able to drill down inside of your soul and spirit. And He is able to point out to you when there is sin that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I learned a long time ago as a pastor, it's not my job to come to your house once a week and see if you're sinning. I, it's not my job. 
Back in the days when pastors used to make household visits, aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? I mean, honestly, you don't want to clean your house if you know I'm coming. You don't want to put the dogs away. You don't want to have to wash the dishes. You know, you'd rather just call me or email me or text me and say, if you don't mind, just pray for me this week. But if I were to say to you, I'm coming to your house. This is the week. I'm not going to tell you when, what time, what day. I'm just going to show up. Your house would be cleaner than it's ever been because you'd make preparation. You'd put all the alcohol away. You'd get your Bible out and put it on the table and make sure it's dusted off real good and open up to one of your favorite passages of Scripture. You'd put your cigarettes out in the trash and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that any of that is sinful. I'm just saying that we have this idea that there are certain things about me that I don't want other people to know. Can I just tell you, that you have some sense of conviction about something, whether that if a friend or a church person were getting ready to come over to your house and you had to hide it and stuff it between the mattresses and all that kind of stuff, can I just share with you that that may be the Holy Spirit of God convicting you of whatever that thing is and that you would probably be better off without it in your life than you are with it in your life if you have to hide it every time somebody from the church comes by that's one of those amen or oh me times but you see Achan was guilty of the sin now here's how they dealt with it in the Old Testament they killed him how many of you know the wages of sin is what death well in the Old Testament it really was death the Bible tells us that they took Achan and his household And they stoned them with stones and they destroyed them. And when they had killed them, they took stones and put memorial up over them so that people would know that that man sinned. And he and his family paid the price. Now I wonder sometimes about how God dealt with things in the Old Testament. Don't you? I sometimes think, God, that didn't seem very fair to me. What about Achan's wife? She might have been a good girl. She might have good, but she was connected to the sin. And so in the Old Testament, sin was dealt with by death. Aren't you glad that sin in the New Covenant is not dealt with through death? Aren't you glad? Is that what you believe? You would be absolutely wrong if you believe that. Because sin has to be dealt with through the blood of a sacrifice. I'm getting ready to preach now. Some of you are about to get happy. I am glad that I don't have to die. I am glad that I don't have to bleed. I am glad that I don't have to be sacrificed. I am thrilled absolutely to life to know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon Him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can that be? Because Jesus Christ came and took on a body and He was crucified on a cross 
and he bled and he died there for people like you and people like me. And all of this sin stuff that we've been talking about today can easily be addressed by simply asking Jesus to come into our lives and forgive us of our sins and to redeem us by His blood. I'm glad to know today that Jesus did what He did because He knew that there would be sin in my life that had to be addressed. I'm glad today that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm glad to know that if I die today or if Jesus Christ comes again in the eastern sky and raptures the church out of here, I'm glad to know that I am ready to go because I have asked Him into my life. I needed Him and He came to me and He convicted me of those things in my life that needed to be gone. And He said, I will redeem you and I will remove the sin that is in your life as far as the east is from the west and I will remember it against you no more. Aren't you glad of that today? Now here's how I want to close. I rarely ever do this around here. But I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to find a quiet place. I want to invite you to this altar today and find a place just to kneel before Him. If you can't kneel... Come up here and just sit in a chair and and get yourself in a position where you can come before God and say, God, I want to make sure that all of the sin of my life is dealt with, that I've addressed it. I don't want my sin to negatively impact others. I don't want to be the cause of someone else suffering. I look across this room today and I see some of you and I know what you're going through. I'm fully aware of what you're going through. My family has been through difficult, difficult times because of the sin of someone else and the negative impact that it has upon our household. But I'm thankful that God is able to remedy that. I'm glad that God is able to give us the peace of God that passes all understanding. Even in moments when your prodigal children are keeping you up late at night and you can't sleep because you're praying and you're seeking God on their behalf. I know the pain that some of you are feeling because of things that your kids have done and said and ways that they've acted out. I know that there are people in this house that you have someone that you were in love with and espoused to and sin crept into their lives and caused all kinds of difficulty for you and your family. And I know that. And I wish it weren't so. How many of you know that there are times that life throws things at us 
that we have to deal with. And the only time really that we can do that and the only way that we can do that is through Christ and the blessings that He pours out upon us. So I want you to bow your head with me for just a moment and close your eyes. And I'm talking to those of you who are in the house now. If you're here today and you really need Jesus to forgive you of sin, you say, well, Pastor, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm a sin, sinful person or not. Listen, I'm talking about things in our lives that keep us from experience the victory that God has promised. Things that have set up a roadblock in your life that you just haven't been able to get past. Could you just raise your hand and let me see who you are? Nobody's looking around but just me. Yep, I see it, see it, see it, see it, see it. Several hands. Let me right now pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you that you are able to redeem the difficulties of our lives. And Lord, when it's our fault, when we are the ones who have sinned, you can forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When our suffering is caused by someone else, Lord, you are able, you are able to give us the peace of God that passes all understanding. For these who have raised their hand this morning, Lord, I pray that you will give them peace and comfort them and that you will redeem this situation as they turn to you and find their answer in you. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to just step out of your seat and come this way and just find a private place. Just just wherever you want to go in this sanctuary, kneel before the Lord for just a few moments. Justin's going to begin to sing, and as he begins to sing, just come on down. If you need to sit in a chair, do that. But otherwise, just come down here and let's pray together.